Good Friday, everyone. Welcome to the VolQuest.com podcast with Rob Lewis, Jesse Simonton, and Austin Price. Brent Hubbs, glad to have you along with us. Tennessee and Kentucky tomorrow night in the Commonwealth. Uh, the biggest question remains, guys, what, what's Tennessee going to do at quarterback? Jeremy Pruitt's playing close to the vest, so this is pure speculation. What's your speculation on what Tennessee's going to do at quarterback? I'm sticking with what I've kind of maintained throughout the week. I think 18 uh, is going to ultimately get the nod just because I think they like the fact that you know, they got Shooter McGavin coming off the <laughs> off the bench with his with his hand with the, the hand of Chubbs out there, and Garantano being the backup, but kind of the reserve guy. So I think I think they're going to flip which freshman plays this week. I think it's going to be Mauer because I think he's gotten way more of the reps in practice, and and then they're going to kind of go from there. Is this, is this a situation? If that's the case, and Austin, you have or Rob, either one of you guys disagree with that, then you know, jump on in here. But is this a case where, unlike maybe in other games where you think that they put Maurer out there and as long as it's going well for him, he stays on the field? Or is this going to be a situation where it's built in naturally for, for Jared to get on the field at some point in the first half? See, I think it would be <clears throat> built in for both to play and then decide in half or halftime. Yeah, or just you know, I mean, I, I mean, like, okay, let's say Maurer starts. Let's just play devil's advocate here. Aval, Maurer starts, they go touchdown, touchdown. <laughs> I mean, is he really coming out of the game? Because I don't think so. I mean, I, I think you just kind of let the, you know, see where you're at two series in. If, if you plan to play JG, put him in, and then, you know, see what he does, and then and then you kind of go from there. So you're, so, so you're saying they built in, so third series, JG goes in the game. Unless, again, they go touchdown, okay, touchdown. Okay, so you're, you're saying play, it's a feel thing. Yeah, I think you go in with the idea of trying to go, let's say, third series or whatever you want to do. I mean, whatever series you're, you're going to target. But, again, if Maurer comes in and, you know, or for that matter, if they decide to go two and then 18, whatever. The point is, is whoever's in the game first, if they get into an early rhythm and flow, I would not mess with that. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think – I mean, I think you're running. If you start Brian Maurer, you're starting to me, Rob, with the idea that he plays yeah, the whole game if he if he's that's playing. That's what well. I think. I mean, I don't, you know, and I, like Jesse said, I mean, I think I think they, you know, if you're struggling, then boom, two's in, and you know, without a whole lot of hesitation. But I think it's, I think they go into it. You know, it's his game if he doesn't screw it up. Do you do you think that the the thought process on how you manage that is different for this game because you believe it's going to be a low scoring game? Because you, you got into a game against Mississippi State, and, and I know I know Maurer got hurt, but he did throw the two picks in the first half, and you managed the game with a lead with, with Jared. If you think this is a low-scoring game, do you, do you lean more towards, hey, game management's more important than a guy who maybe can make the play with his arm or, or throws it on time? Do you, do you play it differently that way? Yeah, but I, mean, I kind of thought that was going to be the case against South Carolina. Yeah, see, that's that, my and, point. And, and we that, thought it was going to be a low-scoring game, and they come out and go boom, boom, boom. Yeah, and it, it became a, 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 an offensive explosion there. I, if it plays out like the Mississippi State game, though, I think that lends more credence to the comments that Pruitt has made uh, in the last just the last two weeks that Garantano would get some real series because they feel most comfortable with him in terms of the operation stuff, in terms of while well, he didn't make some poor checks – this past week against UAB, I think of the three, they feel like he's going to make the best decisions at the line of scrimmage. Um, so in that case, in that scenario, I actually think the leash would be much shorter on Maurer. Yeah, I, I'm, I mean, I don't know what they're going to do. I mean, Jeremy Pruitt said on Wednesday in the teleconference, he um, complimented Kentucky on their ability to disguise things in the back end and, 
and bait things and make it hard on your quarterbacks to figure out what's, to read what's going on. If you took that comment at face value, then you would say, boy, that leans a lot to Jared because he's got the more experience. But he also said last week it was too cold for Jared to start um, in a game and, and, and Brian Maurer had not had enough first team reps. So I think they decide, you know, this afternoon, you know, probably have an idea, but probably make a final decision Friday afternoon or even Saturday morning as they've done the, the last couple of weeks and, and go from there. Regardless of who the quarterback is going to be uh, in this game, um, the offensive line may yeah, be the bigger, the bigger question. Way bigger, way bigger. Yeah. I mean, I, Tennessee has proven they can win with different guys at quarterback. But if, if they can't block, they can't protect, you know, that's when things are going to get dicey, you know, in my well, especially, opinion. Especially on a – I mean, this is going to – Kentucky's coming off the bye, but if you just look at if you just look at the raw breakdown of these two teams, Kentucky's not good on third down. They can't stop third down. They really are not a good run defense team. Which line of scrimmage for Tennessee kind of shows up? How interested they're playing on a cold Saturday night should be telling early. And if Tennessee does show up, this is a game that it will be ugly, I think, at times. But you know, they. They have the favorable matchups down the line, but it's a question of which offensive line are you getting. Are you getting the one that didn't show up and play and played very poorly against UAB, or the one that really showed some life against Alabama and obviously had, you know, its best game of the season against South Carolina in a group that has a couple NFL guys. And you got two freshman tackles who are not freshmen now. They played, you know, a lot of football, Rob, but they've both been limited on the practice Banged field up. all week. And you know, Jameer Johnson, who you know, would play and probably play some wine days. I mean, not, not 100%. Right, if he, if he can go. Um, um, they're, they're, it's a challenge for him. question tackle. marks. And, and, I mean, this is a Kentucky defense that, you know, I don't – if Tennessee's healthy, I mean, I, and plays like they did against Mississippi State, South Carolina, I think they can take advantage of them. Kentucky's one of only three teams in the league giving up five yards of carry or more. And I think that's one reason, you know, not to dispute Coach Pruitt, I think that's one reason their past defense numbers look so good is because people are just running it down their throats. I mean, 175 yards a game. So, I mean, but – I just don't know if Tennessee's going to be able to take advantage. I don't know either. Been a lot of Kentucky matchups through the years where the Wildcats were giving up nearly 200 yards a game on the ground, and Tennessee seemed to struggle to run the football against them, even though Tennessee might have won the game. I mean, but, Mark, but they struggled to win, I mean, run Marcus the football. Marcus Tatum, I thought, you know, struggled a little bit the other night, and that's you know not 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 a huge surprise. Brandon Kennedy had had, had been really good for two or three weeks, but Saturday was not his best day. No, no, no question. I, 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 again, I'm with Austin. I think that's the bigger question is what does this offensive line look like? What, where, where do you go? I mean, you expect Kennedy to bounce back, okay? Um, I, I mean, Kentucky's got some guys up there. I, th I think the, the, the fair kid is, is really good for UAB. I think he's given a lot of people some trouble. I think Kennedy will bounce back. Where's Wanye after his first real tough night? And where is he physically? You, you don't know. And where's Tennessee's tight ends? I didn't think their tight ends blocked particularly well, Jesse, uh, against UAB either. So. Uh, real concerns, real question marks on which offensive line is going to show up, and that'll dictate a lot of what happens in, in this game on Saturday. What, what do you think of, of Kentucky in the back end? They've only given up four touchdown passes. I know, Rob, you said they haven't given up the out of the yards, and part of that's dictated by the run <coughs> game. But they haven't given up a whole lot in terms of touchdowns and a ton of explosive plays. How does Tennessee attack them? Well, I mean – Ideally, you attack them on the ground, and I think you know because they. I think they have the 13th ranked rush defense in the SEC. Part of that is a little bit dictated because they played that slog game where Georgia was just running it most of the time and ran for 250 or whatever. Uh, you know, they gave up some rushing yards against Missouri, but I think this is this is where you know 
Ty Chandler and, and the tailbacks, you know, they, they got more involved also in the passing game a week ago. It wasn't just the tight ends. Tennessee has not really targeted the tailbacks all that much this season. Out of the backfield, Ty even kind of in a bit of candor just last week, you know, expressed a little bit dismay at that, not maybe more, more disappointment that he kind of hoped he was going to be more involved in the passing game and it just hadn't come to fruition. I think attacking Kentucky's linebackers in space and then running right at them is probably going to be the best recipe for success. Again, it circles back to the offensive line, and that's why, to me, the X factor of this game is going to be outside of both lines of scrimmage. If we believe it's a low-scoring game, the fact that Tennessee feels like they got the best kicker in the conference right now who just is, is red hot. I mean, if this is a one-possession game, we think it's you know 17, 16, something like that, you feel pretty good the fact that you got some ugly on your team. I mean, and this isn't rocket science, but I mean, I, you, how to attack him, man, the way he's playing, I, I just, I get Juwan Jennings the ball. I mean, doesn't have to be down the field. Yeah, short, I, you could hit him those short crossers, and I mean, like, as, as good as he is at breaking tackles, yeah. I'm with Rob on get this. the ball I mean, in his hands. I mean, he's... Breaks two tackles, and he gain, takes a six-yard gain, turns into 11. I mean, you do that a couple times, and you're... You're down the field. Yeah, and, and if you can run the football, you're going to creep their safeties up and crowd the box and open some things up for you that way as well. I'm with, I'm with Rob in that I think the, 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 the passing numbers can be a bit misleading, particularly the last couple of games because the, the Missouri game was in an absolute rain, cold rain, nasty day, and so was the, the, the Georgia game. I mean, that was, hey, that one was a monsoon, that was a monsoon so. game. So it may be a little bit misleading in terms of what they can do. Let's flip it over to the other side of the ball. What do you expect from Kentucky? Run, uh, run, run. I mean, you think run. they're going to play? They're going to get um, Smith back, right? In his name. Yeah, I, I think you know, Smith, you, know, yeah. you know. Well, I mean, you go back to the last game they played. Um, he was available so much to the point that he came in the game when um, Lynn Bowden's helmet got knocked off. You know, so I mean, like, I, I think that you know they're going to play him. But I think that they're just going to kind of pick and spot, and I'm almost like Tennessee. You kind of fill the game out. I mean, like if if Bowden's making some plays, they're just going to stick with him. But if they feel like they can throw it a little bit, I mean, I think the scoreboard is going to be. I think the scoreboard is going to dictate it too. So it, it could if, be if it's a low if score, it's low scoring. Game. I think you keep Bowden keep out there and, and you keep doing the wildcat it, it shortens the game. Keep playing. I mean, I, did, I you know I pulled this up. This is something. I mean, <clears> Smith. Impressed a lot of folks with those three possessions he had against Florida to start the game, but otherwise he's been pretty terrible. Yeah, he's not been. Very <laughs> he's, good. He, he's really not. He, he's really not been. He's he, he's completing forty six percent of his passes. Lim Bowden, who's a wide receiver, is completing forty percent of his passes. Yeah, I mean it's it's so the fact that Bowden does have some explosiveness behind you know I mean he he you noted it on on Monday. You know, he gashed Missouri, Whew. and and it was Missouri's Missouri had no defensive line was. They, I mean, they were washed out of every gap. There was no gap integrity, it was awful. and so, and he can make people miss in, yeah, in small spaces, and, and so, you know, he he's probably not as quietest. You know, just because Jawan seems like it takes three or four guys to tackle him. Bowden, it doesn't take that many, but he is a guy that seems like he can escape a phone booth uh, yeah, in, he, in a really small. He's, he's leading the SEC in yards per carry by a. a Huge number. He's averaging eight a pop, and I don't think anybody else is even at six. Yeah, and and it, it's another. It's I mean, this is this it's natural quarterback math or whatever. But I mean, he's an extra. They're going to have an extra blocker every time. We saw a little bit about you know Tennessee under Pruitt has had success stopping the running quarterbacks really outside of Ellington in Week One against Georgia State. And what did they do? They used some of that H back. 
you know, as basically that extra guy right up the right up into the into the A gap, or even you know peeling around to the edge, and that's how you know Georgia State was allowed was able to get some runs. I would expect Kentucky to, to at least attempt to do the same thing. Tennessee should be better, but Tooley did not play in that Georgia State game, and Henry was playing in his first college game. No, Bryce both Thompson. Those, both those guys should be better. Thompson Middleton, Solomon, be better. better. You know, I, I think this, you know, this this defense is obviously much better than they were at the start of the year, and Pruitt's had success against this offense the last. Well, three and years. I was going to say, that, I mean, that the the biggest reason that for optimism is that. I mean, Kentucky was better a year ago, and they actually had a quarterback. Terry Wilson's not some all-star, but he can at least throw it a little bit. And they also had their best tailback in school history, and they, you know, had less than what are 250 yards a year ago against Tennessee. So there is there is some some at least optimism if you're if you're comparing just you know apples to apples. Wilson was a reluctant runner a year ago. True. He, he didn't he did not love to run the football. You, you kind of wanted to put it. You know, on on his shoulders because he did not try to use that the way that they'll use um, uh, Bowden, obviously running the ball. So. And they'll just throw it up to Ahmad Wagner. I mean, he's the guy that six five, yeah, I mean, the former basketball player. He had that ridiculous stat early in the season where he had, every pass attempted his way. It has not gone that way in the last couple of weeks, but every pass attempted his way was either caught or was pe- the the defensive back was penalized and. One would expect in, in better weather conditions, they at least attempt some of those shots down the field. So whether that's a Kenneth George or a Bryce Thompson or a Lante, they're going to have to be in good position and to not – they're both boxed out of dude that's 6'5", but also just not commit a penalty. Will we set a record – will this game set a record for wide receivers taking snaps at quarterback when you factor in what Tennessee might do with Jawan Jennings? Because, I mean, you're talking about getting the ball in his hands. They only went to it once. You know, in, in a UAB game, Red it was zone, for a baby. touchdown. But I think they were saving some of that stuff, don't you? Well, you know, I've, I mean, I think they wanted to use it, you know, in moderation. You know, I have it, you know, I, I more than once. I mean, I could see them saving it more for Kentucky than using it against UAB. But even then, I think, well, I think five, six snaps, you know, depending on down and distance, you know, is, is something I could see. Especially, you know, now that everybody's kind of back healthy. You know, to me, that's more of a – you know, again, time and place type thing. Um, you know, and then again, how much does Smith play for Kentucky? Because you know, if if he plays, you know, even thirty percent of the game, um, your your question about you know snaps would still be eclipsed by the kid from Kentucky in twelve who took, took every took snap. Yeah, I still think that that. Jawan right now is probably Tennessee's best short yardage option. Oh, I agree. Maybe, with maybe, that. maybe if they work Crouch more, but that just hasn't really worked. You know, Crouch did not hit the hole well on Saturday night. There, there was an opportunity there. Maybe that that may be an avenue if they work that in more in the spring, or maybe even during the bye week. You know, if he gets more run here next week for the last two weeks. But I think right now, if you need a yard, two yards, red zone, <laughs> I agree put with fifteen this, back there and let them run. I mean, I can't argue with that, given as hard as he runs, as hard as he is to tackle. And he hits the hole with the assertiveness. Right. You know, he's not dancing back. He's, he's, he's going to fall forward and, and, and hit it with some power. And Tennessee's got to be good. You know, they've got to capitalize in the red zone. You don't know how many red zone trips you're going to get. And they've been a bad red zone offensive football team. Last week was really bad. I mean, I mean with the way the defense gift-wrapped in the ball. They're only better than like Rutgers and Northwestern in terms of Power Five teams scoring touchdowns in the red area. They're are, last in the SEC. Are you surprised they haven't thrown like the fade and done some of that stuff around, around the goal line? We saw that early in the Georgia State game; it was I mean, effective. I, I don't think they've thrown that pass again. I, mean, have I they? think with some of the decisions that you've seen Jarrett make, I don't. I think they're 
very reluctant. I'd up. throw the fade for. I let him throw it in the middle of the field, though. Well, I, I was going to say they part. keep throwing. They definitely, they've, they've, de they've definitely continued to throw it in the middle of the field. Yeah, which so. really interesting. They're, they're, what their red zone package has looked like, and um, what it looks like Saturday night will be key because Tennessee's got to be very productive in the red zone. We'll have full coverage of Tennessee and Kentucky Saturday night, and we'll get you ready for it uh, throughout the day today and, and throughout uh, Saturday as well. Let's jump over to recruiting. Um, Right quick, tough week for Tennessee. They pick up a commitment, but they lose a guy, Austin and Jay Hardy, that they firmly believed and firmly thought that they had taken care of. That, that was, you know, solid to Tennessee uh, before he took that Auburn visit. That was, that's a tough one for Tennessee to, to take. No doubt. You know, and I mean, the, you know, they're not going to go down without a fight, you know. And, and Rodney Garner and Auburn know that. They know Tennessee's going to keep swinging here until, you know, I know the notion is he's not going to sign until February, but, you know, Rodney Garner's going to. He's going to put the pressure on the sign in December. I mean, Tennessee, to me, has got to ramp up their efforts and, and try to flip this kid before that December signing period. You know, otherwise they may lose him, you know, set in stone with a, with a signature. Because I, I do think it's going to be hard for that kid to get, you know, past that early signing period without Auburn having him sign. It's just a question somebody asked me, and I think it's a pretty good one. Everybody can jump in here. You know, we talk a lot about with, – with some guys, you talk about last visits, the most important – you know, and for some guys it's not that important, and then for some guys it's about getting getting them on campus multiple times. You can't just get a guy on campus a couple of times and that be it anymore. You got to have them on your campus six, seven, eight times. On the on the surface, Austin and, and Jesse, this looks like when you look back on it, review on it, what went you know what Tennessee did right in this recruitment. They identified pretty early. They weren't late to the party that way. To they were certainly there before Auburn was there. They got him on campus multiple times. You know, he privately committed to him a couple of times. Yeah. You know, but yet here comes Auburn in at the midnight hour with a last visit. And he had been there before. I get that. But they come in with a final official visit and, and flip him. I mean, I, I think that one, if you're Jeremy Pruitt, you're sitting back there trying to figure out what should you have done differently? You know, what could you have done differently? Is there anything you could have done differently? I, I think is the question. Tennessee fans asked well, I think that's something they, and Jeremy Pruitt. That's something that, you know, the staff's got to figure out. You know, was there, was there something amiss here? You know, was the fact that it was Kevin Shearer, the linebackers coach, going head-to-head -head with Ronnie Garner, his uh, position coach at Auburn, a detriment? Should it have been more rocker versus, you know, versus, you know, Rodney Garner? I mean, I – you know, that, and that's something, you know, I think, you know, Tennessee's got to, you know, kind of self-reflect, you know, over the next few days and figure out, you know, okay, what can we do to counter it? What can we do to get back in the back in this thing, you know, um, if, if that's even possible? And, uh, you know, it, it's a situation where, you know, Tennessee, because of, you know, where they're at with Tyler Barron, now Jay's committed to Auburn, Big O, you know, is on the other side of the state, and while you know you've you're positioned yourself well for him, I mean, Ole Miss is just down the road, and uh, and who's to say that you know an Auburn or an Alabama don't come calling for him late in the game? You know, I mean, I, the, you know, again, if you had told me last week, you know, if you'd asked me who do you feel most confident in, Barron or Hardy, I would have said the lock would be Hardy, and Barron would be the one that I worry about. It's still hard for me to see, you know, I mean, his dad's got to be content going to work outside of, I mean, because he's not going to have a job here. I mean, that's just, that, that's You're how talking it about Barron's dad. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, um, you know, I just, again, I can see him going somewhere else, but there's other 
things that make me think, you know, Tennessee still, you know, got the inside track here. But the longer this thing goes, I, I understand why people are, are very much, you know, doubtful of, of Tyler Barron in Tennessee. Because, I mean, at this point, why is he not? If I'm Jeremy Pruitt, I'm pulling Patrick Abernathy into the office and saying, okay, what, you know, what, this is drug on long enough. I mean, what, what you know, if, if I need to know if, if, he, if he just don't want to go here and he can't and he's trying to find something better, we need to know because we need to make it, you know, we need to, you know, look in other areas. Well, you, you and I talked about this, you know, off air hubs, but the, the, part of this, there's this strange dichotomy that I think Tennessee fans are kind of struggling with, and I understand it, where the team is starting to play better, and yet they're not really seeing that recruiting momentum happen at the same time, the Whitehaven kids notwithstanding. And, you, and while those guys are interesting, and, and I do think Tennessee got some good players there, they beat out an Arkansas program that is cratering right now. But Tennessee is still sort of paying for its past sins of struggling both at the beginning of this season and just historically over the last decade, where in-state kids, push comes to shove, there's just not, there's not the tie there. And, you know, if they see an opportunity that if all things, you lay your hands on the table and all things are equal – Auburn's a better program than Tennessee right now, and they're and so, particularly in their eyes because that's all. I mean, they're they're seventeen years old, right? You look at the last ten years, right? And that's all we're talking right. about. Auburn that's won all a national title, right. played for a national title. They've <coughs> right. been in the playoff. They've been in New York New York Six bowl and games. And Rodney's been there a long time, cranking out guys that are going to the NFL draft. It's not to say Jeremy and them haven't been, but Jeremy and them are new to Tennessee. They haven't seen it at Tennessee, and so. I, I just think that that's an element that it, it, it kind of gets lost sometimes, but it is important to, to note. And the, the biggest problem with the Hardy news is that, AP, is that the Vols really have had him penciled in for months. And when you – now I know they're going to keep swinging. They're going to they're gonna work there. They're going to try to flip him. But when you just take his name off that D-line board, now you only have Dominique Bailey committed. You've already – you missed on Justin Rogers, Ribka, you know – Jacoby Cowan, uh, you're, you're in a good spot for Oxendine, but he hadn't jumped in yet. Nope. He's, he's, st- he's still flirting with Kentucky. You just detailed, you know, how they continue to hope that Tyler Barron is supposed to be in But he's not class, in. But he's not in yet. So how, and we just learned, you know, the idea of these silent, what, what, weight do the, what weight does any of that carry? Not a whole lot. Doesn't. Um, and so when you start to look at this defensive line class, the, the outline was there for it to be extremely impressive, but the way it has unfolded thus far has been disappointing, and it could still look good if you get Barron and Oxidine and Amari. obviously Big O. Right. But it's looking much dicier in those respects, especially now that Hardy has not decided to pop in than it did just a week ago. And that's why Blaine Tolls and the, and the you know Reginald Perrys are suddenly back you know, in the mix, because those spots were not thought to be available, and now they are. Yeah, I mean, you know, and it, it, they're they're kind of in a weird spot where I mean, you know, you can't afford you got you. Not only do you got to you know really focus on trying to land you know Tyler and O and 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 see where you are with the guys like Perry and Toll and and, and all that, but you've also got to make sure that you know guys like Keyshawn, you know, that 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 they're focused and and that they're happy and and. And, and still see the vision. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, Keyshawn and Jay Hardy knew each other. Keyshawn and Tyler Barron know each other, you know. And, and, and you know, as 
you know, Brent's talked about, um, you know, it, it's gotten too easy for Tennessee kids to, you know, say no to Tennessee. And so, you know, look at Kevin Cooper. I mean, that's his brother that just, you know, he played here, played for Coach Fulmer, who's now the AD. And, you know, he chose to go elsewhere. And it is just, it's, 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 much, it's made much easier to say no when you look at the last two years and you see, you know, whether they won them or not, Trey Knox is at Arkansas. Adonis Ote's at Southern Cal. Woody Washington right. is at Oklahoma. I mean, I'm, I'm dating myself, but however, you remember it. I mean, like, remember when Leroy Thompson went to Penn State? Mm-hmm. It was, I mean, it was a huge, huge deal. Yeah. I mean, I mean when Patrick Turner went to Southern Cal, it was, you know, everybody was like, was no, thinking, no way a guy from Nashville is going to Southern Cal. And, and now, I mean, T. Higgins. I mean, that's, that wasn't, you know, that created some frustration, but it wasn't, you know, it just wasn't like the nuclear holocaust like it, like it would have been back when Coach Fulmer was Well, and, and, it, and I think that goes back to this generation of kids and the fact that Tennessee's not had success. Yeah, I mean, you're well, just, LSU's I mean, got two starters on the number two team, on the number two defense, or no, no, they're not on the number two defense, number two team in the country that are I mean, you can just go on and on. Phillips I mean, and you, Stevens. You get, well, and, and look, there's been years where Tennessee, I mean, Tennessee's never going to going to sweep the entire state. No, it's not going to happen. But it has become too frequent and too easy for guys to to leave the state. That that it's that it's become much more commonplace, and there's not there's not a big draw there. I mean, I, I mean, my kid's going to be 15 next month. You're just, you had one just turned 15, Rob. They've you, never your seen oldest is going to be a senior in high school. I mean, I explained to my son that Tennessee used to beat Alabama. You know, I mean that, that because. That's where that's where Tennessee's been at for them, mm-hmm. and that's where that that's where the reality of Tennessee still got a ways to go comes into it. I, I think I think probably Austin, I put maybe more stock in. Hey, if they win some down the stretch, it's going to make everything a lot easier, and I do think it helps. But maybe it's not the landfall for 2020. You know, probably gives you momentum in 2021, 2022, but it's so late, a, a bit late in the game to win in October and November with a December signing date coming up, that maybe it doesn't have that, that carry that huge weight that we thought it would. It, now look, they went out in November, you're gonna be a, you're gonna have some juice and you're gonna be a storyline out there. But right now, you, you've won what? Two or three, three or four? Three or four. You know, which is good. It's better than the alternative, but it doesn't, it doesn't but mean what, a landfall what of recruiting. Would the, again though, what would the, what would the mood be if they were six and three and not four and five? And and, and that's the question. Would 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 the would the narrative be would the storyline for Jay Hardy be different? W- would there be guys like Barron and Oxendine in the boat faster? Would you have a would you have less trepidation about what's Keyshawn Lawrence going to do, not going to do if if you were there? Yeah, I mean, because, we don't know that. That's a hypothetical you can't answer. Right, but and, and and the difference between like this year and last year is that. They have had 18 months or longer to establish these relationships with these. You know, these are not new guys. You know, they've they've, you like Hardy was the guy they identified early and, right. and have had on campus more than you know half a dozen times. And so, uh, to push it back to 21 with this, even even if you finish strong, I think would be a tough blow because the quickest path. You know, to turning this thing around is stacking good on good on good, and so and, that's and why it, and that's why it's important for to, however they can to fin- to finish twenty twenty. And it's not just Keyshawn. I mean, Jimmy Callaway's got Oklahoma offer, Florida. You know, Georgia, Georgia sniffing around. Off. You know, and he's definitely going to visit the Sooners. 
So that's one that you got to hold on to. It's just, it's been a weird couple weeks for Tennessee's recruiting. You come off your best win, and BJ, your your number <laughs> one, the number, highest ranked guy in your class, you know, flips the next day. It's just been it's just been kind of str- strange couple weeks. You get the Whitehaven kids, um, which was good. They've wanted Easton for a while, but you know they they warmed on French and McDonald, uh, and then it's like, all right, what are you going to do with this next O line? They got some options, got and then they, and then you know Kyrie Miller suddenly beat out SMU. It's just kind of strange. It has been a unique week, um, and they do need to stack good on you know good class on good class because the nineteen class looks like a good class. Yeah, I mean not just what you're looking at freshman wise, but moving forward certainly. No, looks no one like the way no one the way Darrell uh, uh, Darrell Middleton has you know come on. He's got two more years left after this year in theory, you know. The way your freshmen have played, yeah. you know the, the. I mean, you don't sit, you don't sit there and look at that class and go, "Well, I'm not sure he'll ever contribute. I'm not sure he'll ever play." What? I mean, you certainly don't feel that way about a bunch of guys in that well, class. Well, like perfect example, you know, like the McCulloughs and Crouches and 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 Henry and and those tackles, they all play. But I mean, like a guy like Ramel Keaton plays a little, but not a lot. But, I mean, I like what I see out of him. Totally. And then same thing with Means. You know, I do think Tennessee may have hit on him. Now he ain't playing right now. He's been banged up, but a little and bit. he's also behind a bunch of seniors. Right, but you you've know. also got Tyus Fields, who you think is going to be able to help you somewhere. Yep, you know, and, and do some things in, in that regard. Um, we forget about Elijah Simmons, and, and 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 that's the one thing we've not talked about with Jay Hardy is the fact that how much did Auburn play upon the whole notion that you know I'm sure they set you know Jay down with. You know, and not losing anybody really. Yo, up front, huh? That Tennessee's not losing. Yeah, Tennessee's, Tennessee's not losing anybody, and Auburn's everybody. losing a lot. Yeah, you know, right. you sure. can come in, you can come in and be the next Derek. You know, yeah. you can come in and be, you know, the ne- you know, come in and, and help right away. Look at Tennessee; they got everybody back, and they do. They don't have, they don't lose a soul. Right, but that's that's that should be a harder thing to sell to a kid because of the way everybody rotates defensive linemen, but. Sometimes that's an easy sell to somebody when you're just talking about raw playing time. Maybe a kid doesn't look at it from the standpoint of, look, I'm a defensive lineman in the SEC. I'm not playing 45 snaps a game. I better not be. You know what I'm saying? Um, but you're right. They are bringing people back. And, look, Rodney Garner's done this in this league for a long time successfully as a recruiter. Um, and, and he certainly beat out Tennessee for Jay Hardy. We'll see if Tennessee can get back in the mix of that. We'll continue to follow that one as well as these other names in recruiting that are big for Tennessee uh, in the coming days and coming weeks. Let's flip it over to basketball right quick, Rob. Um, not the greatest season opener. It's game one. You don't put a ton of stock in it. The sky's not falling. It's basketball. You play 30-plus of these. You don't play 12. You know, everybody take a deep breath. But not out of the gate with your veterans the way Rick Barnes wanted to in that UNC Asheville win. Yeah, I mean, and again, I'm not making – I'm making very little of it. I mean, I, sure. still, I still think Tennessee's – you know, they're, they're going to take a step back this year, but I, I still think they're going to have a good basketball team. I think they're going to be fun to watch. But, boy, Rick didn't waste any time in, uh, in, in letting Jordan Bowden and, and Lamonte Turner know that what he saw from him last night is not, is not what he needs from him. And, um, you know, I thought – I just thought that, I mean, Rick just thought they tried to do too much. I mean, I, I, me and you were talking earlier. His biggest problem was not getting other people involved. Um, between the two of them, they took 27 shots and made 12. And then you look down at the, the low post guys, Fulkerson and, and East Ponds, went 11 for 14. So it's not hard to see where Rick's coming from right sure. there. You need to distribute some things. But, I mean, knowing those two kids and knowing that head coach, that message will get through. They'll they'll they'll, they'll be different. They, they will – they will adapt, and uh, the other thing was, I mean, 
people just didn't see the the Josiah James that, that everybody's season on the practice floor or um, you know even in the exhibition game last week. I mean, I think that's going to be that's going to be something that is a lot better. But I, I mean, on the positive side, I I, I think the move to uh, Ponds down into the, into the post, I, I think that's that that's going to help this team just tremendously. I think most nights, I mean, six six, two hundred fifteen pounds, you know, built like a brick wall. I mean, most nights, I you know, unless you know teams have a pair of seven footers or a couple six foot ten guys, I think he's going to be okay down there. I mean, I really do. He's he's strong enough to handle himself. You know, he can touch the top of the backboard. He's quick off the floor too. I mean, he doesn't quick, have he doesn't have to gather himself. Quick, quick leaper. I think you know. he's going to be a big, big help on the boards. And uh, Camwa is, is going to be able to help him down low. Now, it's not it's not ideal. I mean, it's not they're they're going to miss Grant. They're going to miss Kyle. But uh, they're, they're going to miss Euros. Not not winning that yeah, field. Not I mean, winning that one. Say. But they're not going to be as helpless down there as I think some people are scared scared about. Yeah, I mean, there was some good things. You know, focus and look better you know I think the question for him is how does he hold up physically all year long and how does he hold up against really physical post play which I didn't think Asheville provided yeah. a, a lot of I mean Tennessee could get the you know they had all the success they wanted to have with a high pick and roll if they'd have stayed in that I, I think they'd have got a you know a dunk most every time they wanted to run that they got they got him in transition they did some things that way um, which was good you know the Gaines kid if he can get his thumb healthy I think that's a guy who's got more – I mean, he looks real thin. You think he's not physical enough. But, you know, other than the technical foul, he had a pretty good night He last plays night. tough. He had nine points and three rebounds in, in just ten minutes. And, and that's a kid – I mean, the coaches love him. I mean, just he is a – he is, has a junkyard dog mentality. Tough, tough, tough kid. That, and, and, and that obviously really appeals to Rick. I think you're going to see him carve out a niche. And uh, I wish Pimper had been hurt because, you know, talking to Rick, that's – red shirt's not on the table for him as long – you know, unless this ankle thing lingers – you know, for, for weeks, and um, I think he would have played last night. I think you're going to see a rotation of nine. Pretty obvious. You know, Zach Kent didn't get the game until they were up 23 with under four minutes left. <laughs> Don't think he figures into the, into the equation. Um, any, any truth to the rumor he's already running stadiums yet? He's what? He's running stadiums. Every time I've been over there, that kid runs stadiums. <laughs> he, he probably is right now. <laughs> But they're not confident in him. No, you know, but, and don't but, don't feel like. He but they like. I mean, Rick likes Pimper a lot. I mean, he, he's going to get hurt so much because of his strength. But that gives you another six nine, six ten kid that um, <clears throat> is long. And even though you know, Tennessee doesn't have without with the Euro state, they don't have a seven footer. I mean, they can throw five guys out there that are you know six six to, to six nine, and, and I think give people some problems. What do you think this? What do you think they're going to become offensively? You think there'll be a lot of pick and roll type stuff? Oh, you I think, think so. A lot of, a lot of two-man type game. I think so, and I think I, I don't think you're going to see him really become what they're going to be on offense until Josiah really gets up to speed. You know, we've talked about it. He missed a lot of time in October, and you, you might not think much about it, but that, that's a big deal. I mean, when it, when it comes to you know knowing the offense for a guy who's going to have the ball in his hands as much as he is. All right, last thing about basketball defensively, um, don't expect them to be wh where they need to be out of the gate. Obviously, what did you make of their defense? In terms of three-point shots, help defense, you know, giving up dribble drives. That um, I were, thought, were you I mean, was it bad? Was it okay? What do you think? I thought it was okay. I mean, that kind of Ashland, kind of what Ashland you thought. did have a couple of good guards. They had the one kid, NC State, State transfer Betts, who's you know he's, he's a good player. But um, you know, I thought that Asheville didn't take advantage. I thought they got some open looks from outside. Didn't shoot it well. I thought Tennessee had problems on closeouts, and I don't know if that was you know people missing switches. And you know, getting getting behind the rotations, but I, I, in the first half especially, I thought Asheville, you know, Tennessee was fortunate. Asheville did not get a few more of those. 
make it even closer than eight points. Uh, to me, I mean, it's you know it's nuts and bolts stuff, but I think to me one of the biggest things defensively is going to be in the possessions with a rebound. I mean, I think that's going to be a big you know getting on the glass when you know when you're giving up some size and. We'll find out a little bit about how Tennessee is with that in two weeks. I, um, Washington, Washington has some size. The yeah. uh, Isaiah Stewart kid is a he's a banger. He's a, he's a good player. Um, so that that would be a big test. Yeah, Tennessee has them coming up in a couple of weeks up in uh, Canada in, in that matchup there. Uh, youth is being served. We'll see how fast that youth can grow on the Tennessee basketball court and if the seniors can do uh, more in line of what Coach Barnes is wanting them to do. We'll cover plenty of basketball for you as well as football and recruiting. But that's going to do it for this edition of the VolQuest.com podcast. For Jesse Simon and Austin Price and Rob Lewis, I'm Brent Hubs. Thanks for joining us. Have a great rest of your Friday, everybody.